At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Krista Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This night, we're talking about 1982's Superstition, which was picked by Scott and I. This is a rare one where I have never heard of nor seen this movie. So, Scott, the floor is yours. How did you discover this movie and what led you to pick it? May I begin with very superstitious writings on the wall (laughs) okay so i don't know how this one got on my radar at all um i had never this was a first watch for well this is a first full watch for me i a lot of these movies where um i've never seen them i will preview some and i only had to go 
maybe five minutes into this movie to know that this was perfect for our show. Oh my god, it's so good. It's like uh, <laughs> like I'm gonna I'm gonna play my cards real early. I had a blast watching this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, it is so fucking dumb, but it really hits all the beats of what I like out of early 80s horror just in general. And it's very scrappy. Like, it's a very cheap movie. I don't know how I came about becoming, you know, part of my perspective list, but then I found a stream of it or something. And I'm watching the first segment before it even, you know... I mean, first of all, it's got a just a super cool poster i absolutely love this poster one of my favorite posters that we've had on the show in quite a while so we're treated to this intro where these two people are about to bang in a car and the girl's like no no i I, i'm uncomfortable here and he's like baby if you love me you let me you know and i'm like all right he deserves to fucking die and then (laughs) someone you know someone jumps out and and they 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 drive off and he's like oh that was fucking great hey buddy where are you and so they're running around in this oh scott please the man's name is artie because they say his name about 70 times in the first five minutes of, the, of this movie. Dude's just over like, Artie! Artie! And so a, a horrifying scene where a busted microwave decides to come to life. And then you see the dude's head in the micro. Artie's head is in the microwave. And then Artie's buddy is like, oh, fuck. Shit just got real. Um, he's running away trying to get out the windows. And then we get... Him cut in half. <laughs> and I was like, that's literally the moment where I was like, yeah, this is perfect for the show. Yeah, no, it is. And then so, the feet move. So the thing that's worth noting, I you know, I do a lot of research for these movies, digging up like Wikipedia facts and IMDb facts to try to like build my version of what I think happened or some type of narrative. And like you said, this movie is very cheap and very scrappy, which is kind of entertaining to it. The problem with this movie and we've used this phrase before, but it is it is a peaks and valleys movie. If oh, it's ever, a roller coaster. If, if ever there was one. And the best example of that was when I was doing some digging, I found out that the New York Daily News referred to this movie, which, keep in mind, is only an 82-minute long movie, as, <laughs> as bloated. <laughs> like, they were like, it this, is, though. Yeah, they were like, this film could have easily just been 70 minutes and gotten all the beats that it needed to hit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep. Like, like that's the only thing that kind of sucks about this movie is, like, I could not care less about any of the story. And too many times in this movie, it thinks I care about the story. <laughs> like, just show me all of the ways that this invisible witch posing as a little girl is killing people. And man, has there ever been a worse red herring than oh, the yeah. weird little girl just showing up and wanting to be friends with people? Oh no, yeah. that's not even the red herring, my dude. The red herring <laughs> is the cap I, I don't know what he is. He's like They're all bad. All the red herrings the, are bad. Yeah, like, yeah, but they like he's living in this secret room in the cellar or something like that and it's it's weird cop procedural for about 15 minutes of the movie and none of the rest but then there's also this priest that is like really a a pretty terrible priest because he is eye fucking all of these 16 year old girls that live in this house now for sure well so i i had this one note talking about that character i wrote two quotes and then i i wrote an action point and it says we're gonna have to drain that lake Gah! And then <laughs> cue the Casio keyboard. Because, like, that leads to this crazy chase scene. But it's like the second he hears them say they're going to drain the lake, 
he loses his mind. The craziest thing that I didn't know that this movie existed is that it just got a Scream Factory release like last year. Oh, maybe so, that's why it was on my radar though. Is like yeah, probably I, something on Instagram popped up and I was like, that is a sweet fucking poster. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I need to I, I need to put this one in the collection for sure. But I, I texted both of you when I was watching this that there was something that happened in this movie that made me laugh for almost four straight minutes. <laughs> and it's it's the next kill where <laughs> A pastor the, sh- the pastor shows up to bless the house, and this saw blade pops out, oh my God. <laughs> bounces off the floor, goes straight into his chest, and just keeps spinning. And it's like this long shot of it continuing to drill through him while everyone's just being like, what's happening? Like, yeah. is, That's some serious momentum. It is so funny just the shot of the blade bouncing off the ground into his chest i had to rewind it i was like this is so fucking funny (laughs) it's so dumb but it's perfect like this is such a perfect horror movie night movie for us (laughs) yeah anyone listening along at home if you want to suggest movies to us you gotta find the fine line that's very much like superstition where it's Mm -hmm. so fucking stupid but still incredibly entertaining yeah it's one of those things where like the kills are the if the movie wasn't so cheap the kills would be fucking brutal because like the kills are brutal regardless of how cheap the movie is that's what i mean like even like the the elevator kill like that is a violent brutal kill um and i think that like last week we talked about my bloody valentine and like i literally think that the only difference between this movie and that movie is like a higher budget to really make those kills gnarly as fuck in my bloody valentine and in this one like i mean i love the head exploding in the microwave but what i love the most is how little that head looks like a head <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like like that's that's like the stuff that really makes this movie just super enjoyable is like it's it's the diff i mean this is going to be an insane analogy but it's the difference between watching the original star wars new hope and watching like one where it's cleaned up is like there is a charm to like seeing the strings and there is a charm to seeing how the the pudding is made versus just like having it be so perfect and flawless that you get sucked into the story especially for something like this that is so outrageous to begin like we are talking about a a vengeful witch movie that yeah. has a bleak as fuck ending when you think about it. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone dies. Yeah, no one survives this movie, which is like not what I expected because this was labeled as like an Amityville ripoff. Like that's what. Oh, the- okay. I had not really like. I was thinking about it more of like a a witch movie and not just a haunted house movie because I mean. Obviously, the flashbacks. Yeah. Like, I hadn't really I, thought about Amityville, but it, it's straight, it's a straight Amityville ripoff. Yeah, like, I, I think that, it, especially, like, when you're like, oh, the per- the person's coming to bless the house and something bad happens. So, uh, like, they're yeah. definitely taking those beats. But it's it's fun because it is. Like, you're, you're right that it's also a witch movie. Like, it was released under the name The Witch for a very long time. This is one of those, like, classic, like, drive-through movie situations where you know like last house on the left had like seven names because they would just yeah. keep re-releasing it under different titles uh, how to- pissed would you be if you were like a, a video file you know and <laughs> and in the 80s like late 70s early 80s and you're like oh man i i loved watching last house on the left i mean you'd have to be 
kind of a psychopath to enjoy watching that movie. But uh, if you're like, man, I can't wait to see whatever it's second like. to last house on the right, and there, and then it's the same movie, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I want my dollar back, you know. <laughs> but that's the thing is, people didn't go to drive-ins to watch movies; they did it to touch genitalia. So you know, I I wrote down a couple lines from this movie, and one of them that I love is when the kid, I think he's talking to a grandpa or something, he goes, is that medicine? And he's like, yeah. But I'm like, no, you little shit, it's fucking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe it's the dad. I think that there was some like subtext of the dad being an alcoholic, which is, uh, now that you're pointing out the Amityville connections, that is a straight, straight plot point rip um, from Amityville. But also the child murder in this movie. There are two kids that get murdered in this movie, like, pretty graphically. Um, well, maybe not super graphically, but, like, not off screen, you know? Like, there's the one kid who's drinking milk, and then, oh, I don't remember what happens to him, but then you see, like, the blood in the milk, and I'm like, there's no use, cry, or no use dying over spilled milk, hardy, 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 you know? Like, <laughs> it's so funny how in 1982 we could have child murders in, in horror movies, and now, I, I hate to say it, but, like, kids are too sacred and so they'll kill a dog instead yeah mm-hmm. it's almost like it's i think it was always shocking but it was less shocking to find in like a b movie now this was one of the other things i found out was that this was one of the last video nasties in the uk oh, okay this was like one of the absolute last ones and it seems tame compared to some of the other video nasties that i've seen like when you look at like the list of other video nasties and you've got like anguish and like Evil Dead and like these movies that are like kind of violent but also just very heavy. Like this is just so schlocky. Like it's yeah. like hard to take yeah, it seriously. Yeah, you can't take it seriously. Exactly. Yeah. I mean like the hot brunette daughter is just like when when the house is really coming for him um, in the third act. Uh, she's just running around in a tube top and short shorts. You know, in this movie, I thought that she was a survivor girl. I thought that she was going to make it out and that she and the priest, like the priest was going to leave the priesthood and like, because he's been eye-fucking her the whole movie anyway, like a fucking creep. The men in this movie are all very, very lecherous, which is very strange to me. You know, I, I thought that she was going to make it and there's there's a point where like, everyone except for the hot brunette daughter and the dad, I think, are, are dead in the house now. Like, the mom has been killed, the other kid has been killed, and then, um, and, and the dad is just, like, he's, like, staring at the mom's body or something, and the girl is standing there in her tube top and short shorts, and she just screams, what are you waiting for? And I'm, like, that's the only, the only time in this movie that I actually empathize with anybody, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, like, you were saying, you know, it's, it's so bloated. Like, the movie is short, but it could be shorter, and it would do wonders for it. I want to see the director's cut where it's an actual shorter take. (laughs) (laughs) How did you feel about the flashback scene, Scott? Let's get into it because I was kind of bored by most of them. Okay, so I thought it was super fucking dumb except for when they put her on the cross and her forehead starts bubbling. I was like, oh, shit's going to get real. It's going to be super cool. And then nothing happens. I'm like, well, what about the forehead? Was it going to split? Does she have a monster inside her? Is there, like, nothing happened, but you know, I, I thought that her section was cool. It yeah. kind of reminded me of the flashback in Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's like one of the downsides. Like I said, the movie is definitely peaks and valleys, but the peaks are so high that it's worth when the valleys are kind of low. But like your enjoyment. We also have of, a fast forward. That's what I was going to say. Your enjoyment of this movie could be 
22 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, you could you could trim an hour of plot out of this and just enjoy the absurdity of, like, the first 10 minutes and all of the, like, all the kills that happened afterwards and be pretty content with the time spent watching this movie. You're also not going to miss much because the plot does not matter. No, I mean, here's the plot for you when you go to watch it. They killed a witch and the witch's ghost is in the house. All right, enjoy the movie. Yeah. And then there's a cross that was keeping the witch at bay, supposedly, but the... But, like, the witch was definitely killing people well before they found the cross, so I don't understand. And and the cross didn't even fucking work. The priest comes back. And also, I don't understand her power set. Like, maybe that's the comic book nerd in me, but, like, her power set is insane. Like, she's a god, you know? She can be invisible. She can shapeshift. She, she can have claw hands. She can... She has telekinesis. Apparently, she has telepathy because, you know, she kind of almost understands what people are scared of. But then she also cannot be killed in any traditional means. She can't be exercised. Like, I just, there's no stopping her. She lives through the, whatever you want to call it when you like, sets the lake on fire. Yeah, it's almost like the Pope premise is that no one should ever live in that house and just let it stay there. Um, But people are just going to keep trying. What if they just, weren't they going to raise the house? Weren't they just going to, like, tear it down? And what happens if they tear it down? Is that the only thing that's keeping her tethered? And if she doesn't have a house to be tethered to, she becomes a malevolent spirit that can fuck you anywhere? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, that's, that's what I didn't understand. She had such small dreams. I feel like she's, like, powerful to leave that lot. But she just kind of sat there. I will say I did invest a little bit into this movie because when he dropped the cross and it broke, I said out loud, ooh, How's it going to get out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> These are all things that could have been examined in Superstition 2 if uh, the film was more popular. But it just wasn't. And But I like it. I mean, I definitely am going to be revisiting this movie. It's a bad movie, but it's an entertainingly bad movie. And it's, I mean, I'm going to say my catchphrase, it's blissfully short, but still yep. bloated somehow. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- what? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast.
Oh. Scott, this was your pick. What's a double feature you got for this one, buddy? So I really wanted to go ultra dark. For whatever reason, when I finished this, I was thinking, man, I love an unhappy ending because it's a nice surprise. So I'm going to go with The Descent because no one makes it out of that either. Even though there is that, like, ambiguity where they're like, oh, maybe it was all in her head or maybe she escaped. But it's like, no, I'm pretty sure they're all fucking dying in a cave. All right. And Brian, do you have a double feature? Do you want me to go first? No, I actually have one, uh, although I'm not going to double feature it. Instead of watching another movie after this, I'm going to play Zombies Ate My Neighbors because the soundtrack to this movie (laughs) sounds just like the castle levels. And zombies ate my neighbors. That's very like if Console Crash ever wanted to do like an eight bit where it's like I have no idea. I think Scott's just covering a video game. He should do this movie because that is exactly <laughs> how the soundtrack sounds. Dude, now you got me wanting to do a mashup of Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Superstition. Superstition. Yeah, because that'd be like fire. here's the thing: is I have. I originally was only going to do Nintendo music. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll do like Game Boy because it's kind of same time frame. But there is some Super Nintendo stuff that I really want to touch. And uh, I mean, sorry, that sounds inappropriate, especially after talking (laughs) about the lecherous dudes in this movie. There's some stuff that I want to get to that I don't think anybody's going to care. It's still going to be 8 or 16-bit music. Well, that's the thing. You've set, I feel like you've set your own rules and no one else cares or knows. (laughs) Well, here's the thing is that is painfully true that no one knows or cares about console crash except for me no 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 i I know and care care. i'm just talking about the rules that you set for yourself because you and i have had this conversation before where like i think about zombies ain't my neighbor no well i i enjoy nintendo but to me i genuinely would say that i think the super nintendo is the best gaming console that was ever created like there is something about 16-bit animation that just looks so good and smooth that like looked shittier when 64 came out to me like i think the 64 oh dude Star Fox. i remember Star Fox being cool for a second and then being like wait a minute clay fighter looks way cooler yeah that's what yeah. i mean like like there was something about 16 bit it was like the perfect amount and like now it's basically like you're watching a movie which is like oh, i mean that's cool but like i like just watching cartoons move across a board so <laughs> yeah Scott, you you made a good point you know you you wanted a movie to match with this that was kind of bleak and kind of had a surprise. And for me, I want to watch a movie that also is kind of bleak but has a surprise. Dude, Because <laughs> as soon as you said surprise, I went to Demon Wind. I'm going to double feature this with Demon Wind because I think it is in the in a very similar boat as Demon Wind. God damn. You just explained why I enjoyed this film. Holy shit. <laughs> You know me better than I know myself this week. I know. Sometimes it happens. It, that's what happens with seven years of friendship. Uh, it's been closer to eight and a half now, friend. We're getting close to ten. got to do something. <laughs> finally, finally, fuck. Um, so. <laughs> no, no. No, that's our 20. <laughs> okay, fair. I can set that goal. Uh, so, Scott, what have you watched, listened to, or really just even done with your life that you want to talk about? What are you going to do with your life? <laughs> so, I... Gotta tell you guys, season two of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is some amazing television. Dude, the songs in the most recent episode were all fantastic, but I've been listening to Opposites Attract like crazy (laughs) because of it. What a song. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because half the time I'm like, oh, this song. And the other half the time when I'm watching that show, I'm like, 
I don't know this one. And so it doesn't hit the same, you know? But the very first second of that, I'm like, are they going to fucking do Opposites Attract? And Megan's like, what? And I was like, you know, like the cat song? And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I don't even know if she knew that song when they were singing it. I'm like, oh, man, this is... Dude, because MC Scat Cat. <laughs> MC Scat Cat. So my, when we're, since we've mentioned Console Crash, the way that I pick covers so much of the time is, uh, oh, that song. Yeah. You know, that's what I did when I was in my metal band when we would do covers, like my cover, our cover of Blondie, Call Me. Those songs are the, oh, that song kind of thing. And I just, I love that about Zoe because I, when I pick covers, I want it to be like that. Yeah. And when they pick covers, I want it to be like that. But also, the woman who plays Emily, the um, sister-in-law yeah. of Zoe, is killing it this season. Like, she, her character development is... And maybe that's also the, direct, the direction and the writing, but I love the fact that they've kind of given her more to do this season. Well, and you know? I love I love that we've got our boy from what we do in the shadows in the main cast is just super exciting as well throughout the show. <laughs> it's uh, funny when he comes out, his character's name is George in the show. And every time he comes on screen, I yell Guillermo. I'm like, Guillermo, <laughs> like every single time. I know that his name isn't Guillermo in the show. But when Me- Megan was like, oh, it's the guy from uh, what we do in the shadows. And I'm like, yeah, Guillermo. And, you know, the fact that you mentioned what we do in the shadows, um, I'm trying to watch legion season two and you know jermaine clement is in it i'm trying to watch it and it's a very beautiful show but the pacing is just so painful for me and i can't like do something else while i'm watching it which is very alien to me yeah you know well and that's like so back to zoe for one quick second what i'm really impressed with with the second season is like season one was such a well put together single told story that there was part of me was like if this show doesn't get renewed i'd be bummed but i feel like the story's been told for the most part Mm -hmm. so i was actually kind of nervous because i'm like all right well now we've lost like a huge main plot point that was like carrying that whole first season and the way that they've just continued to follow the most logical human way that that story would continue to unfold is really really cool because you're doing this show that has these beautiful, upbeat, positive song numbers, but it is still a show about dealing with grief. Like, it's like, it's yeah. very... Very on brand for Matt Kelly, by the yeah. way. Yeah, like, the way that they juggle that juxtaposition is really, really skillfully done. And, I mean, it's it's crazy, because this show could be lame. You know what I mean? Like, it, like there's a way to do the show where it's like, okay, this is just glee. But, like, it is so much better than almost any other musical comedy television show attempt that they've ever done. And that's coming from someone who's been binging Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and and mostly (laughs) enjoying it. So, Brian, do you want to go next? Yeah, I've been watching The Stand on CBS All Access, and it is pretty good. It's I I like it. I've never read it, so I can't really tell you if it's true to the book or not, but it's definitely entertaining. It's like another show that we look forward to watching weekly. And then I quickly learned watching it that CBS All Access is basically like CBS's version of Netflix. I thought it was just a show that aired on CBS and then I was like, wow, they're saying fuck a lot and oh, those are <laughs> boobies. So <laughs> so I guess they have adult content now, but it, it's pretty dope. I mean, it's worth the money for me, CBS, just for Twilight Zone, but I'm also trying to get 
a little bit more. I don't. I can't justify paying for a streaming service for one show. Wait, um, Twilight Zone's also on Netflix, isn't it? Jordan Peele's. Oh, oh, are they doing more seasons of? Uh, yeah, season Twilight two's season, airing as we speak. Fuck, season fuck. two's so fucking good, man. Dude, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone season one was so good. It was. Well, I, I think I remember when we talked about it last year, or however long ago it was. I think that we all kind of agreed that it was basically what Black Mirror wants to be, right? Yeah, it's what Black Mirror wants to be. And, like, I also think that... <laughs> I think that it's still in keeping with Twilight Zone, which is, like, the big... Like, the thing that I always argue with, and this is, like, such a nerdy justification, but, like, people compare Black Mirror to Twilight Zone, and that's not accurate. Black Mirror is an Outer Limits show. That's like, right. Yeah, you've said that. Outer Limits was always a much darker, heavier sci-fi about, like, the way that people treat each other and, like, manipulation of facts and, like, all types of fucked up stuff like that. Whereas Twilight Zone was always a little bit more lighthearted but had more of a social change message in a lot of their stories, which mm. is absolutely what Jordan Peele is, is hitting with Twilight Zone, but even like the first season captured the other big thing about Twilight Zone, which is that both, no matter what season of Twilight Zone you watch, be it the original series or the Jordan Peele one, there's still a little bit of hit or miss. Like there's still yeah. every once in a while a story where you're like, eh. But Jordan Peele is definitely doing a better job with hour long Twilight Zone because the one season, season four of Twilight Zone, where they tried to do hour long stories instead of half hour stories is very hard to sit through. And yeah, like the first two episodes of season two were perfect. I can't remember if it's one or, I can't remember if it's the first or second, but one of them is Ethan Embry. <gasps> and that man is trying to fucking restart his career and he is acting his fucking heart out in this. Uh, but here's but he's the thing doing is really he was good. In, wasn't he in the Devil's Candy acting his heart out? And like, I feel like he maybe is just still working and we just aren't paying attention. That that no, could be it too. But, but I but, think, but I think, but I get what Brian's saying is like he's been acting his heart out. But I think he's acting his heart out, hoping to be like, hey, remember me? Like the way that people <laughs> have like reconnected with Matthew Lillard or like a few of these other actors. Like Skeet Ulrich had like a, a couple moments back in the sun because of Riverdale. Like I think Ethan Embry's trying to get that big mainstream notability again because he is a good actor and mm -hmm. doesn't really get remembered as one well, yeah. and and he and his wife are on tiktok megan sent me one and i was like that's ah yeah <laughs> so brian one last question with the twilight zone on your abc all cbs all access mm -hmm. has he like obviously in the first season they did at least one remake of a classic twilight zone episode have they done any remakes yet or is it all original stories thus far well, that's for you to answer because Jade asked me the same question. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's fucking seven seasons. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's <laughs> like five if, seasons. But okay, there's five seasons. Like, like if it is, if there is, I'm not through season two yet. If it is, it's deep tracks for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I feel like if you're gonna remake it, you gotta go for like a heavy hitter. Yeah, one, yeah, so. it's definitely deep tracks. It, it's not. Neither of my favorites have been remade yet, which I'm okay with. Um, Wait, but what are your favorites? Definitely the Howling Man and then the little fortune teller thing that he keeps putting the quarter in with the little devil head on it. I don't think I know either of those ones. The Howling Man is definitely my favorite one of, of all of them. And then the, the other one, I can't remember the name, which is really good, is the uh, pilots that land the plane and they all keep disappearing. 
but every time one disappears, it's like history. They never existed. So, oh my God, that one's so, that is such an uncomfortable episode yeah, of the Twilight Zone. It, that's really good. And, and I think that that's what I like about this season is it's more like Twilight Zone than Black Mirror in the sense of like, a lot of these episodes are like, the person got what they wanted, but it wasn't what they wanted. You know what I mean? Like a monkey's paw? Yeah, yeah. kind of like that, but not as like, it's just got more of a Twilight Zone vibe to it. I don't want to give anything away, but everyone should watch it. To answer your question, it looks like the very last episode is a reimagining of a Twilight Zone episode. But even reading their like two sentence summary, it seems like it's a very loose reimagining of it. But mm-hmm. it does feature George Takei and Gretchen Merrill. So look forward <laughs> oh, to that. Yeah. And for mine, I don't have a movie or a TV show to recommend, but I do have a podcast to recommend, which is 91 Donkey Lane. One of your co-hosts may pop up on a episode that recently dropped as a guy who runs a VHS store out of an old pizza hut that only consists of movies that he's personally watched. Uh, so. <laughs> so if you're friends with Matt Kelly and you have a podcast, uh, if you want him to promote it, you have to let him on your show. That's just, that's podcasting rules, dude. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, I've talked about other shows, such as the newest additions to the Geekscape Network, which are Bingetown TV, I Love Trash with Marie Maloney, and Femme Regard. Go check out all of those shows as well. All right, so that has been Superstition from 1982. Jump onto the Patreon and hear us talk about our own superstitions. They are very superstitious writings on the wall. (laughs) And tune in next week. We're going to be talking about a 50s movie. It's the first 50s movie of the year. I'm excited, and it's short. So don't be too mad at me. Uh, hey. so, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll be back next week. Obviously, go and find us anywhere on the internet. HMN podcast, rate and review and subscribe. Apparently, it helps us with internet points as far as I understand it. And it allows more people to find our show. And you clearly love us and our show, so you should probably be helping us out and telling more people about it. It would mean the world to us. All right. Bye. <laughs>
but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 